It's time now for the complete story, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now here's the BRN father and son team, Dick and Rich Bot, with today's complete story. Tell you what, today's complete story, Rich, is going to be different than any other, and yet it'll be inspiring. It'll be uh, historic. And encouraging. And encouraging and inspirational, that is for sure. Listen to this. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. (laughs) Now, everybody, everybody needs a dream. Isn't it interesting, Rich, that God chooses one man to be the leader when the time is right, one man emerges as the leader. Go back through the Bible. Moses, we could pick him out. And at that time in American history, God needed somebody with courage of his convictions and trusting him. And it was pretty rocky ground, wasn't it? Boy, that's a voice and a message that everyone should be familiar with. There were two young men that were starting out about that time. You see, this week is Martin Luther King week. And then at the end of the week, on the weekend, it'll be the sanctity of human life, sanctity of everyone's human life. All right, now there were two young men that were starting out. Billy Graham, I think he was in his 20s uh, when he started there in Meta in, uh, in Los Angeles and then moved, and then 27, 28, right in there. And then Martin Luther King was in his late 20s. Matter of fact, he was a pastor of Dexter Avenue Baptist Church, which was his first church ever. He'd been working a little in his father's church, preaching once in a while, but this was his first when he was the senior pastor. And I want you to hear these two young men, what happened in 1957. Here it is. Tonight, we're delighted to have from Montgomery, Alabama, Dr. Martin Luther King, the minister of the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. Heavenly Father, out of whose mind this great cosmic universe has been created, we come recognizing our dependence on thee. We stand amid the forces of truth and yet we deliberately lie. We stand amid the compelling urgency of the Lord of love as exemplified in the life of Jesus Christ. And yet we live our lives so often in the dungeons of hate. For all of these sins, oh God forgive, We thank thee this evening for the marvelous things which have been done in this city through the dynamic preaching of this great evangelist. We ask thee, O God, to continue blessing him, give him continued power and authority. As we listen to him tonight, grant that our hearts and spirits will be open to the divine inflow. All of these things we ask in the name of him who taught us to pray, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yeah. 
What a wonderful way to open this program. You see, that was 1957, and if I'm not mistaken, that was when Howard Bell was on Billy Graham's staff, and Billy Graham said, I want my audience to be integrated. I want my audience to reflect all of America. And Howard Bell said, well, Mr. Graham, if you maybe would take your message also to other parts of the city and invite them to come. And they went to, where was it? In Harlem. And they they said, if you go where they are and and let them know that we want everybody to be there. I tell you what, the gospel is for everybody. Yes. And it is true that churches are a little slow to get that message. So that was at the Billy Graham crusade there at Madison Square Garden. In 57. 1957. Now, here's an African-American gentleman, Jonathan Alexander. He has made a study... He will tell us in just a second who this man, uh, Martin Luther King, was. Here it is. Hi, I'm Jonathan Alexander, the Director of Public Policy for Liberty Council. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is widely celebrated as the most notable icon of the Civil Rights Movement. But perhaps he ought to be celebrated first and foremost for his role as a preacher and as a Christian pastor. King's role as a Christian minister was at the heart of everything that he sought to achieve in the Civil Rights Movement. As the pastor of the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama, Dr. King based not only his preaching, but also his political philosophy and his commitment to justice on his religious beliefs. Dr. King came from a deep legacy of faith, and his faith was one that saw its best fruition in the moments of crisis, adversity, courage, and the hope of a better tomorrow. These principles resound deeply today as we celebrate the life of this man who changed America for the better. For Dr. King, faith was the source of his courage, especially in the moments, the difficult moments of the Civil Rights Movement. In one sermon, King shared how the Lord fortified him in his fight for justice. King said, Lord, I'm down here trying to do what's right. I think I'm right. I think the cause that we represent is right. But Lord, I must confess that I'm weak now and faltering and losing my courage And I can't let the people see me like this, because if they see me weak and losing my courage, they will begin to be weak. Dr. King said it seemed that at that moment he could hear an inner voice saying to him, Martin Luther, stand up for righteousness, stand up for justice, stand up for truth, and lo, I will be with you even until the end of the world. King said it's as if he heard the voice of Jesus saying that I will never leave you, never leave you alone. He promised never to leave me never to leave me alone. Dr. King did not simply hold on to this abiding faith personally, but he also challenged the members of the Civil Rights Movement to also maintain this faith. In his autobiography, when explaining just what motivated the participants of the Civil Rights Movement, he wrote, it was Jesus of Nazareth that stirred the Negroes to protest with the creative weapon of the love of Christ, furnishing the spirit Dr. King said the nonviolent movement was an expression of Christianity in action. Today, Reverend King's dreams are embodied in our continued desire for liberty and justice to be the theme of our society. But for many, his legacy is one not just of rights, but of one motivated by faith. It is that same faith that compels ministries and organizations and people of faith all over the country to give so much of themselves so that our families and our communities are strong and prosperous. Expressions of this faith are protected by the First Amendment. 
They're practiced by millions of adherents all over the world and are the deep and abiding identity of a people that in the borrowed words of Dr. King, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with their God. You know, that says it all, doesn't it, Rich? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And Jesus said what? Love your Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. If we could just get that, and it would be the message, and people would live by that. Maybe America needs to start out on its knees. Maybe the church should be the leader. Uh, this is very important. Well, anyway, Martin Luther King went through his time on earth. You see, we all have our span of time on earth. Don't mistake that if you are just rich enough or powerful enough or strong enough, you're going to be different than any other human being. You'll have your time on earth. And how did he spend that time? Um, this was the last message that he ever gave at Mason Temple in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, Mason Temple is where the early Church of God in Christ would meet. And uh, now it's used for executive session only. It's exactly as it was when this last message was given by Martin Luther King. Uh, and I mean to tell you, it's powerful. I want the people to hear a portion of it now. We've got to give ourselves to this struggle until the end. Nothing would be more tragic than to stop at this point in Memphis. I want to thank God once more for allowing me to be here with you. I left Atlanta this morning and then I got into Memphis. And some began to say the threats, or talk about the threats that were out. Uh, what would happen to me? Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life, longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine That was the last speech he gave. I think it was the following day mm -hmm. that he was killed. 
there in Memphis. At the Lorraine Motel, that's right. And I'll tell you, I can remember exactly the chair I was sitting in at my desk on that day. I had the TV on, the news. All of a sudden, there it was, and it's freeze-framed. I think everyone listening to the broadcast could think now, what do I know about Martin Luther King? And I'll tell you what you know. It's it's whatever any, when anyone told you when you first heard about him, whatever they thought, whatever there was in their idea. Did you ever really study it? Did you ever really think about it? Did you ever really go back and go through it? But I'll tell you, today's broadcast celebrating Martin Luther King and then the sanctity of human life on the weekend. What a beautiful time it is. There's another lady that we use on a complete story a lot. She's in heaven right now also. But she was a little tiny girl, uh, a little black girl. Um, and somebody invited her to go to Sunday school. And she became a Christian. And she spent her entire life while on earth writing music and singing songs in praise to the Lord. And she grew up in Brookfield, Missouri. Okay, listen to this, folks. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I know that it's the spirit of the Lord There are sweet expressions on each face of the
Isn't that, isn't that something? When a person dedicates their life and their time and their talent and their substance to the Lord while they're on earth. What a wonderful legacy they leave, is Doris it? Akers, and she wrote that song. Now, we met a lady several years ago, Rich, quite a few years ago, Vivian Avery. She's married to John Avery, who just retired, by the way. Uh, wonderful people, but Vivian, she said, now, I want to help. She wasn't a teacher. She wasn't a professor. She wasn't this, she wasn't that. She, but she said, I am me, and I have a desire to help young people, to help school-age young people. So she then uh, told the high school children in her, in her town, Olathe, Kansas, uh, she had it organized so the, the high school could write essays. That's a wonderful thing, to learn to write and learn to write your thoughts and ideas and, and what, you, what things it's, mean to you. It's part of the Martin Luther King Day celebration. As part of the Martin Luther King Day celebration. It started, I think, in 2000, didn't it? Mm -hmm. I talked to Vivian Avery just a while back and asked her about all of those things because during those years from 2000 to 2018, something happened. She gave out slogans, not slogans, quotes of Martin Luther King and asked the children to write an essay, what that meant to them. Let's hear what she said. This first one was, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. All right, what's another one? The time is always right to do what is right. Oh, let's see here. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inexplicable network of mutality, tied in a single garment of destiny, Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Next. Out of the mountain of despair, a stone of hope. I can tell you from the year 2000, we had 12, until the last one that I actually produced, which was 2018, there were 5,700. So they started off with 12 students the first year in 2000. 18 years later, they had 5,700 students participating in that. High, high school students. Yes. I, I don't know if there are any junior high school in there, but I know some of those students went on then into adulthood. Some went to college. I'm thinking one girl particularly, but they were filled with the knowledge of what Martin Luther King had said, and they wrote essays about it that had to affect their life. Um, that's what we have, Rich, as we go through life. That's why I'm so interested in children myself. You plant those seeds and they grow, but you better be careful. It's easy to plant a weed. It's easy to plant something that isn't good at all. But when you plant good seed, you get good things to grow, and the earlier the better in the springtime of their lives, what would you say? Well. I'm just so so thankful that one thing that a lot of people don't know because they don't teach it in school is that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was very pro-life, and uh, one of the one of the real uh, uh, treasures that we have today is Dr. Alveda King, and she's the niece of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, uh, Alveda King's father was Martin Luther King's brother, uh -huh. and they were both preachers. Right, and Alveda. 
man alive, what a blessing she is. And that's why this ties in and with our emphasis on the sanctity of human life exactly. today as well. Listen to what Alveda King said. This is Martin Luther King's niece now, just recently. Abortion, like slavery, is a crime against humanity. So we know that slavery is a sin, slavery is wrong, sex trafficking, for example. But somehow, uh, the script was flipped. And so it became a civil right to abort a child. It became a woman's reproductive right. But nobody really examined the motives behind it because the founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, said that colored people are like weeds. They need to be exterminated. Let's not let the word get out. So they came up with a plan to sell an idea to women, and black women especially, that it was a reproductive right to decide whether you would birth a child or not. My uncle, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., <laughs> I like to say Reverend. He and my dad, Reverend A.D. King, brothers, were preachers, and their daddy, Daddy King, was a preacher. So A.D.M.L. and Daddy King. So Martin Luther King, Jr., in a Christmas sermon, said, when you value the human personality, you won't kill anybody. And I, I first heard that read by Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life, Life, and he uses that all the time. And my uncle really cared about every human being. We must recognize that abortion is a sin. It is a crime against humanity. Congress needs to acknowledge that that's not just a lump of flesh in the womb. That's not just a blob of tissue in the womb. That's a human being. And so that's an innocent human being. And if the child was conceived in America and being born in America, an innocent American whose rights are being violated. You know, one thing that that we're born with is the feeling of being selfish. The feeling of being selfish. Let me tell you something. You don't have to teach your child to enjoy a toy, but you do have to teach your child to share the toy or maybe give a toy to somebody else. Now, this is what you acquire as you're raising children, as you're planting good seeds in their life, in their heart. And that's what it's all about, isn't it, Rich? It's very easy now. People can say, well, why did you bring this subject up? Well, this is sanctity of human life as well. But it, more than that, it's more than a slogan. It's the sanctity of human life. And we could go on and on about that. But do you have any listener comments? We do. And uh, if we can have these, um, let me say this first. Our listener comment line is 1-800-345-2621. We'd love to hear from you, too. Here's what Michael in St. Louis said. Michael, St. Louis, Missouri. I listen to your broadcast every day. And it inspires me to make myself a better person. And I thank God for Bach Radio Station. God bless you. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. Well, well, let's have another one. What do you think? This is Mary Lou in Salem, Missouri, and I am a new listener of about one week to the Bot Network. I am actually so excited about what's happening in my life because of the ministry of all these wonderful preachers. I always love hearing from new <laughs> listeners. And, folks, I want to encourage you to tell others about Bot Radio Network. That You can add that to your personal witnessing plan because they'll hear the Word of God. Let's hear one more. Maria from Hillmar, California. Bot Radio is a great, stable place for my life. I listen to it 
day and, and I listen to it evenings before I go to sleep. Thank you for all that you do for us. God bless. Oh, I love that. How about one more, Rich? Come on. This is Marjorie, and I have just been delighted with unlocking the Bible. The gentleman that actually is from Scotland, I think, he makes the Bible so, so practical. And then I also really appreciate Robert Morse, Worship in the Word. Thank you so much. Bless you. See, that's what Bob Radio Network is, a source of information, right. a source of Bible teaching, a source of study, and... Um, and that's what it's all about. Two new it? broadcast ministries, Colin Smith, Unlocking the Bible, right, in the and last Robert few Morris. seconds of the program, uh, here is Doris Akers again. When you walk through the storm, hold your head up high, and don't be afraid. Of the dark At the end Of the storm Is a golden sky And the sweet Silvery song Of a lark We should have started playing that song earlier. What a blessing. Give the phone number again. 1 800 345 2621. This is Dick Bott with my son Rich on this another complete story broadcast. See you later. <laughs> 